Mino Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about our vaginas and how they should be treated. No, this is not a specific pregnancy-related topic, but it's definitely one that we need to chit-chat about because it's related to women's health. So last week, I had a preconception consult or a patient that comes in for pregnancy planning, as well as another patient who was pregnant. Both asked me about Yanni steaming. Apparently, a lot of people get these as Christmas gifts to go along with their spa package experiences. So I don't know what kind of kinky stuff y'all into adding to the spa packages to get the Yanni steam. But uh, okay, so let's just talk about this then. So uh, definitely, this is a good time to talk about it today before Christmas. So. If you're out of the loop, Yanni steaming is also called vaginal steaming. It's a natural remedy to cleanse the vagina and uterus. Vaginal steaming directs herb-infused steam into the vagina. So basically, if you're at the spa, you're going to sit on top of like a device that has a hole in the middle in somewhat of a squatted position, okay? Um yeah, it doesn't seem comfortable, but uh, at the spa, there's a device for it. So you're not really holding or supporting yourself, but it does allow those herbs to infuse through this hole um, so that steam can enter the vaginal canal. Um, so this is done at Yanni Steaming Spas. It can also be done at home with specific steaming devices. The herbs used with Yanni Steaming typically include mugwort, So this is a weed that is capable of living for two years. It can be found in home lawns and playgrounds and gardens. It can stimulate uterine contractions, supposedly, and can be toxic in very large amounts. It also contains wormwood, which is used mostly as tea, um, but it's also used primarily for treatment of liver and gallbladder diseases, as well as stomach ailments to expel intestinal worms. And then the rest of the ingredients you probably have already heard about. So chamomile, you know, like the chamomile tea to relax you, uh, calendula, basil, and oregano. So pretty much you can make, you know, anything that's in your garden plus spaghetti, I guess, um, would be in these herbs. So although there's no technical proof, it's thought to help regulate the menstrual cycle and relieve menstrual pain, cramping, and bloating. So I see why people try this, especially if you have problems with your cycles. Um, some reasons that people may also get vaginal steaming is for stress relief. This is one of the biggest uh, indications for Yanni steaming, and it's advertised as so in terms of stress relief, depression, um, uh, treatment for depression, infections, infertility, headaches, digestive issues, and generalized pain. Now, as an OBGYN and a high-risk pregnancy physician, I can confidently say that 
There's absolutely no evidence to support any of that, okay? Or the treatment of these conditions with Yanni semen. Now, I'm not saying not to get it outside of pregnancy. You just want to try something different. I get it. But it's much like the popularity of dushing in the 90s. Like, there's no benefit, and it can actually alter your normal vaginal flora. So you got to proceed with caution there. Things to keep in mind if you are just wanting to try it. One, the vagina is sensitive. And it should be treated as such, okay? The mucosa or the lining of the vagina is thin, okay? Steam that's too hot can actually burn the vajayjay, okay? This can lead to blisters. It can lead to pain, irritation. And as the vagina heals, if you do experience burn, it can cause you to have some uncomfortable itching. So people go get their yani steam and then come back to me the next week thinking they have a yeast infection. No, no, boo-boo. You have just burnt your vagina. Okay, so you have to proceed with caution. And that's why if you do try it, I would not have your first experience trying it at home. Like go to the spa with somebody that knows what they're doing. If you're going to be somebody that sort of dibs and dabs in these experimental things. Next, vaginal steaming might actually increase your risk of vaginal infection by altering your natural vaginal flora. So the vagina has a certain amount of yeast and has a certain amount of bacteria. Okay, so like back in the day when your mom used to dush, okay, because I know we're not dushing because we're old enough to know that you shouldn't be dushing. Okay, but when she used to dush, that would try to clean the vagina, okay? Steaming also is a is a way to try to steam the vagina because that heat can kill off a lot of stuff, okay? But if you kill too much yeast, then you have an override of bacteria, and that's called bacteria vaginosis, which can lead to an uncomfortable discharge that is frothy, thin, copious, and also ha- can have an odor, okay? If you kill too much bacteria, then you leave a lot of yeast, and then you have a yeast infection, which is the thick, white, clunky discharge. Neither one of those are STDs, okay? But... And so they're really not truly infections, but it's just an imbalance of your natural vaginal flora. So your vagina, you really need to leave it alone, right? It does what it needs to do. And you really shouldn't be doing a whole bunch to try to like get it extra, extra clean. It's supposed to have, it's supposed to have vaginal bacteria and supposed to have vaginal yeast. Don't disrupt that. Um, the other thing that can throw off your flora, which is sort of kind of off, off topic, you know, all those like little like, those scented bath bombs and that bath and body works, like all those um, scented products. Yeah, that can throw off your vaginal flora as well. So make sure you get some pH tested uh, soaps uh, for the vaginal area if you're somebody that gets easily irritated. And then last, the vagina is self-cleansing. So some of y'all want your vaginas to smell like potpourri. Well, it's not supposed to smell like potpourri. That's not what the vagina is supposed to smell like. Your vagina really isn't supposed to smell like nothing, okay? You have a natural body odor, and the way your body smells when you get into the shower, if you use unscented soap, you're clean. You don't smell like anything. Your natural body odor should smell how you smell is if you use unscented soap, okay? And you rinsed your body after you've lathered with unscented soap. It should smell like nothing, okay? If you smell your skin after you've used that dub sensitive soap, it doesn't smell like anything. Your vagina should also smell like that, like water that's rinsed right off of your body. Shouldn't smell like anything, okay? Now, people come to me all the time about odors, so let's talk about that. If you sweat, guess what will happen to the odor of the vagina? It's gonna smell like sweat, okay? The mons, which is the hair-covered area of the pubic area, 
and the labia, which are the lips that cover and protect the vagina, have hair glands and hair glands have sweat glands, okay? Those follicles at the base of them have these little, you know, glands that supply them, almost like a plant that needs like soil and water. Same thing with the mons, it supplies those nutrients to the base of those hairs to cause them to grow. So you can sweat and if you sweat and you are somebody that, uh, you know, doesn't have you know you're not spraying any antiperspirants down there then you can sweat so your vagina can have a smell okay that's okay that's just a matter of hygiene like getting in the getting in the shower okay keeping up nice good personal hygiene is the way to keep the vagina fresh okay now i also don't agree with spraying a whole bunch of stuff so back in the day you know people used to put powder in their underwear and they used to also spray a splash of like perfume down there like don't 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 do that like that is going to mess up your vaginal flora and it will cause you to have either yeast infection or bacterial vaginosis like nothing needs to be sprayed down there that's not specifically made for the vagina Okay, now we have things that are specifically made as antiperspirants for the vaginal area area so use one of those if you're worried about the actual scent of the vagina but realistically let the vagina have its own smell just as long as you're like literally bathing and keeping up your hygiene every day that's all you need okay now if you have a fishy odor then that could be a problem that needs to be treated right so that could be either bacteria vaginosis which means that the bacteria has overridden the yeast that you have in the vagina that can have a fishy odor you can't wash that away. Like people want to soak in the tub and things like that. No, no, no. You need to be treated with antibiotics or at least uh, some, some. Um, well, there's still vaginal antibiotics. You need to be treated with basically flagell to treat bacterial vaginosis. So you need to go to your doctor. They need to make sure that you don't have, uh, they test you for this. And the way we look for this is we take a slide, we put a Q-tip in the vagina, we do a vaginal smear and we can actually see things under the microscope, okay? So we can see cells that come out of the vagina, which are epithelial cells. And if they have little bacteria all around them, then we know that that's bacteria vaginosis. If we see yeast, which look like little rods under the microscope, then that's a yeast infection. If we see little swarming things, then that's trichomonas. Those things need treatment, okay? So if you have one of those, then that way your OBGYN can tell you, hey, this is what the appropriate treatment is. Now, there are certain things we can't see under just a normal microscope. We have to send that off for a culture to allow it to grow. And then the lab will tell us if you need further treatment um, of your discharge. Now, other things can cause vaginal odors that have nothing to do with STDs. So if you had a baby, you can have what's called a fistula, which is like a little connection from the rectum to the vagina, like a little hole there that carries stool from the rectum to the vagina. That's a very common thing. If you have a third or fourth degree tear at the time of a vaginal delivery, you could have uh, that fistula there that's just leaking stool through the vagina. And the symptom that most people present with is, I, it doesn't matter how many baths I take, I just don't, I just can't get clean. I always have an odor and I have just a, just a very strong odor and I smell like I've had a bowel movement on myself. That's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it is something to pay attention to and let your OBGYN know if you are having those symptoms. The other thing that you can have officials from the bladder to the vagina, and if you're leaking urine, you know, regardless of if you're holding um, your urine or not, 
Even if you don't have the urge to urinate, you find yourself, your pad is wet with urine, then it could have a fistula from trauma um, from a delivery that can carry urine leaking through a hole in the vagina. Now, those are rare, okay? So I'm not telling you you have that, but those are other things that can cause a discharge in an odor. All right, so now that we know a little bit more about Yanni steaming, I know I digressed a little bit, but we're now we're back to Yanni steaming. Let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 25-year-old who was referred for increasing vaginal discharge. She denies recent sexual intercourse. Her STD screening was negative. Her screening for rupture of membranes was also negative. She was treated for a yeast infection two weeks ago. She also received a Yanni steam to help with symptoms and to cleanse the vagina. Now she has a thin discharge, which has a mild odor similar to shrimp. She told her OB that she was getting Yanni steams three times weekly to help treat the discharge. Her OBGYN sent her to you for further consultation and your recommendation regarding Yanni steaming. All right, so just to recap, this person has to be pregnant because they ruled out rupture of membranes or her water breaking. And so we know that the discharge is not due to her water breaking. This is really important to rule out because a lot of people have a discharge and they may think that their water is breaking or that they've urinated on themselves. Um, And the way we rule that out is to do a speculum exam. Basically, the same exam you would have to get a pap smear, meaning we put the speculum in and look at the vagina, um, look at the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus to see if we see fluid leaking through. And then we do a swab to actually specifically test for amniotic fluid. So it seems like they've done that already. That would have been my first steps also if somebody had um, a copious amount of vaginal discharge. Now, the thing that's alarming here is that she gets Yanni steaming three times a week for treatment of this discharge. That's a little excessive. Like even if you're experimenting, this is a little excessive. But one, Yanni steaming shouldn't be used in pregnancy. Like we said before, there are certain mugweed that has been shown to cause uterine contractions. We don't know if it's enough to cause you to go into preterm labor, but it is enough to cause you to have uterine contractions and we don't want to risk that, right? So that's one reason why you shouldn't get Yanni steaming in pregnancy at all. But because you're treating this because you had a, a, a odor similar to shrimp, to me, that means it's fishy. Okay, different people interpret those odors different ways. But to me, if your odor smells anything like any type of seafood, I'm trying to rule out bacterial vaginosis as much as I can quickly. Okay, and so what I would do in this circumstance is to do a wet prep, like we said before, which is do a vaginal smear, put put that uh, smear that on a slide, look under the microscope to see if we actually see bacterial clue cells or bacteria around the cells that line the vagina. Okay, if you do, you need to be treated with flagell. Okay, if you don't, we need to send um, that off for a culture. But Yanni steaming, like I said before, can alter your normal bacterial um, flora or vaginal flora. So we don't want you to get Yanni steaming to treat a discharging odor um, because that could actually be making things a lot worse. It's cleansing and killing off a certain amount of yeast that you don't need killed off. So now you have an imbalance and you have this odor probably because you have bacterial vaginosis. So I would recommend that you avoid Yanni steaming um, during pregnancy at all. Like you should not be getting that done during pregnancy, but you're somebody that has proven that Yanni steaming can alter the flora and cause you to have some symptoms. So I would tell you to avoid that at all costs. Now, the other piece is Yanni steaming 
three times a week. I mean, you could really be irritating the vagina. That could lead to issues with uh, having orgasms and sensations and nerve endings in the vagina. So I would avoid that even if you're not pregnant for that reason, especially not that many times a week. That seems a bit excessive. So my recommendation and the case pearl would be Yanni steaming should be avoided for treatment of infection, period. Okay. You need to get tested and then treat it from there and exclude the Yanni steaming in your treatment regimen. Okay. What's our second case? Our second case is a 31 year old who is 12 weeks pregnant with her second pregnancy. She states that for her first pregnancy, she received Yanni steaming every two to three weeks because it was recommended by her friend to help with the discomforts of pregnancy. She had her first pregnancy at 34 weeks. Her OBGYN advised her against this during this pregnancy because it likely caused preterm delivery. She was referred for consultation regarding a history of preterm delivery and recommendations regarding Yanni steaming in pregnancy. Discomforts of pregnancy are real, right? So the first trimester, you will have cramping because your uterus is used to being flat like a pancake. And as the baby grows and the gestational sac increases in size, that will open up that cavity. So you can have some cramping. Once you move into the second trimester, you will have those ligaments that usually anchor the uterus down to the pelvis. They're stretching to keep up with the growth of the uterus. So you will feel stretching. So for example, somebody came in my office and said, oh my God, Dr. Plenty, I have pain on my left side. And then the next week they have pain on the right side. I mean, that's completely normal because those ligaments are literally stretching to keep up with the growth of the uterus. Now, things that you can do to help with discomforts of pregnancy, one, make sure you're very well hydrated. We know that the uterus is just a big muscle, right? And if you're dehydrated, just like working out, you can get muscle spasms. Same thing with the uterus. It can get spasms and cramping and things like that. So you want to make sure you're as hydrated as you possibly can be during pregnancy to help alleviate some of that. Two, you can take Tylenol and Benadryl to help relax the uterus and also to help you get some sleep. But Yanni steaming is not something that I would recommend doing. One, the vagina is a continuation into the uterus, right? So the top of the vagina, you have the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus. You don't want anything to, uh, you know, steam through the cervix. Now, the amniotic sac or the amniotic cavity is considered a sterile environment, but you don't want to do anything to raise the temperature of the inside of your uterus. That's why we tell you that you can't use hot tubs in pregnancy because the temperature of a hot tub is too hot for a developing baby. I understand that Yanni steaming is like short-lived. It's not like you're submerging yourself, but you still are opening yourself, literally opening yourself up to, uh, to higher temperatures. So we don't want to do that. And we definitely don't want anything that's urban fused going into the vagina and potentially um, through the cervix. We don't want to do that. Okay. So let's avoid that for discomforts and go with our more proven routes of for treatment of discomforts. Um, there are other things that we can do to relieve stress in pregnancy. Okay. Besides Yanni steaming. Okay. I mean, sex itself relieves stress. There's no nothing wrong with having sex at 12 weeks. But like, do something else besides a Yanni steam. I'm just saying. Uh, the other piece is your OBGYN attributes 
the preterm labor or preterm delivery last pregnancy to Yanni's team. Now, although there's a whole bunch of things that say, oh, you shouldn't do it because of this, this and that. I can't say that the Yanni steaming actually caused the preterm delivery. We know that there are ingredients that theoretically has been known to cause uterine contractions, but we don't know if it causes regular uterine contractions. There's nothing that says that it causes preterm delivery. So I don't want to say this is definitely the reason that you deliver preterm. Um, I don't think it helped prevent a preterm delivery, but I can't say with certainty that the Yanni seem caused you to have preterm delivery. Now for you, since you had a 34 week preterm delivery, I would recommend that you get serial cervical lengths, meaning starting at 16 weeks, we do a transvaginal ultrasound to look at the length of your cervix. If your cervix shortens to less than 2.5 centimeters, then you would need a cerclage placement. I know you're like, oh my goodness, what is that? Go back and listen to who gets the stitch. We talked about this before. Cerclage is just a stitch that's done in a purse string-like fashion to cinch the cervix close because we see evidence of shortening. When we see evidence of shortening before 24 weeks, that means that you have a higher risk of a preterm delivery. The cerclage prevents that or theoretically helps reduce the risk of your preterm delivery. So that is what you need. Now, some people would also give you progesterone supplementation. Now, I'll tell you, talk to your provider about that because there's a lot of conflicting data right now. So progesterone used to be thought to reduce the risk of preterm delivery by about 30%. U.S. studies still show that, but there is there are studies that are done in other countries now that show, ah, maybe it's not as helpful as we thought it was, and it's very costly and very expensive. Of course, anything that's costly, the insurance companies are going to say, oh, no, there's no proof, so we're not going to cover it. So um, I would tell you to talk to your OBGYN about that. Um, I would still recommend giving vaginal progesterone at least to people that have a history of a preterm delivery before 37 weeks. But of course, you need to talk to your provider to see if you're a candidate or not. Um, a couple of things that you also need to review is that you had a 34 week delivery, but we really don't know why. We don't know if you went into labor. We don't know if your water broke. We don't know if you have contractions. If you had those, meaning symptoms of preterm labor, then you need the cervical lens and plus or minus the vaginal progesterone that we talked about. But if you had an abruption, meaning the placenta separated from the inside wall of the uterus and you had heavy bleeding, if you had high blood pressure and they had to deliver you because you were in danger, uh, if you had a something actually wrong with your baby, like uh, your baby was super small and they told you your baby was going to pass away because the blood flow was abnormal through the cord. That's a reason that they had to make you deliver. That's not preterm delivery. So you would not need cervical lens. So it really depends on what's going on in your history as to why you needed that preterm delivery at 34 weeks. If you went into labor and you just happened or if it was forced, it was indicated, meaning your OB induced you because of a reason. Those two things are handled completely differently. The thing that's consistent is in both of those situations, the Yanni steam would not be recommended with this pregnancy. Okay. So the case pearl for this case is, although it is not known whether Yanni steaming increases preterm labor, it is not recommended since some ingredients can theoretically cause uterine contractions. All right, medical intern, what is our emailed question for today? This one says, Dr. Plenty, I've read articles about Yanni steaming and how there's no evidence of its benefit. My husband says my vagina sometimes smells like sweat. I was tested for STDs and was negative. He doesn't really seem to complain. I was surprised that he said that when I asked him what it smelled like. 
Besides yanni steaming, what else can I do to clean my vagina? Why are y'all asking your husbands what your vagina smell like? Like, why? I mean, if he's not complaining, if your sex life is good, it really doesn't matter what it smells like if he's not complaining. If you're not smelling yourself, then that means that you don't have, you know, an odor. I would say maintain normal hygiene, okay? Take a shower before you have sex. Okay, if your husband is complaining, but I mean, to me, sweat isn't necessarily like a bad smell. I guess if it's sweat under your underarm, that would be a bad smell. But like just sweat on your body to me is not really that bad of a smell. But I would say, you know, make sure that you are, you know, getting in the shower before you have any sexual intercourse. If that seems to be a problem, I don't think that you should do anything more than that. Make sure you're getting, um, it seems like you have gotten checked out. Your STD test was negative. So usually when you have STD testing, we will do a pelvic exam. Your OB would have told you if there was an odor that needed to be tested further during the time of your testing like bacteria vaginosis they would have treated you for that and so I think this is just the natural smell of your vagina like I say the vagina is not supposed to smell like potpourri the vagina is supposed to have a very natural smell I mean that's not to me a bad thing um if you're worried about the sweating down there then one you could do things like wax so you don't have as much hair okay I am not really a big big proponent for an advocate for shaving because I feel like that can cause ingrown hairs and that can cause a world of problems in itself. That's just me. I would prefer you to wax if you're going to get, you know, keep your hair low um, over shaving. But if you do shave, making sure that you are cleaning the mons or the area that has hair on the private area, cleaning that thoroughly uh, and then shaving and, and making sure you're exfoliating the next day uh, to make sure you don't get any ingrown hairs. Uh, it's going to be pretty crucial because I get a lot of people that end up with, you know, labial abscesses and Bartholin gland cysts because they have ingrown hairs and this because they're shaving and they're causing too much trauma to, to that, to that area. So that's why I'm saying you really have to keep, you know, good hygiene, exfoliate to make sure you don't have any ingrown hairs, pull in any ingrown hairs if you have them, but keep your hair low, um, by shaving or waxing. If you're worried about sweating in that area. And like I said, you can use some unscented antiperspirant vaginal sprays. If you want a little scent down there, you know, there's like summer's Eve vaginal spray, which is, you know, pH tested and specifically for, um, the vaginal area, you can use that, but I wouldn't put any perfumes or powder or anything like that down there. I don't advocate for dushing. I don't advocate um, for anything more than maybe submerging yourself in the tub. And if you do take baths, um, you know, you should never stay in the tub like more than 20 minutes. I know that people don't understand that. They don't know that. They're like, oh, I'm gonna take an hour bath. Well, you know, after about 30 minutes, the, the dirt actually can redeposit back on you. So <laughs> you shouldn't really take baths longer than about 20, 25 minutes, just uh, uh, an FYI. But um yeah, Yanni seeming, I don't agree with it. I just think you should maintain normal hygiene. And then also you got to realize like the, what you perspire is going to also depend on what you eat. So, uh, perhaps look at your diet. So if your diet isn't a well balanced diet, then you may want to change some things in your diet. If you have a diet that's high in fat, um, there, there's been some studies that show that the odor that you have is going to smell a little bit different. It's going to throw your hormones off a little bit as opposed to people that eat a fresher, uh, diet. So 
that's something to look into as well. Um, you know, you might need to change some things up in your diet if you don't like your natural body odor. Okay. But I would say if he's not complaining, then, uh, stop asking him what the vagina smells like because, I know you were thinking, well, let me tell you what your penis smells like. I mean, nobody wants to really know that. Everybody knows they have a little bit of an odor, you know, down there that smells a little bit like sweat, especially if you've been sweating. But let's not let's not look too deep into that. Just enjoy sex life and keep on moving. Okay. All right. So medical intern, do we have any more email questions? And she is shaking her head. No. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope you've learned a little bit more about Yanni or vaginal steaming and that you proceed with caution if you decide to get one. Hopefully you'll just avoid it altogether though. Okay. So if you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at Pregnancy underscore Pearls and Facebook at Pregnancy Pearls. Also, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com forward slash Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a Mean Old Lion Media production.